Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Thursday morning, the 21st of September. A very good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning and if you've missed any of our shows, you can always go to Spotify and download any of the previous episodes. We've got a huge show for you this morning. Lots to get through as well. We're going to talk with Robert Catter very shortly. We'll look at the markets. Ben Hunt will join us. And landholders are now starting um, to bandy together around this renewables. Um, We know now a wind farm rejected in Tara. I'm going to talk about that. I know I'm banging on a lot about this at the moment, but this is a huge issue that is absolutely bringing our industry to its knees at the moment, and they have more rights than you would believe. Let's get into it, though. Robert Catter joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dolben for Thursday morning, the 21st of September, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Let's start the show this morning on Thursday morning, the 21st of September, with Robbie Catter, the member for Tragar and leader of the Catter Party here in Queensland and Australia. Good morning, Rob. Thanks so much for giving us some time this morning. No, no dramas, Dolby. Great to be speaking to you. Mate, with all the scare tactics and all the the, the fear, the catastrophic heat wave, I suppose you wouldn't be given game to venture outside today in Mount Isa. I mean, it, you know, unbelievable, the, the heat wave blast <laughs> that's coming. I mean, seriously. I mean, can I start the show by how irresponsible it is of the Bureau of Meteorology and what they are doing in conjunction with the Labor government about the scaremongering about... You know, heat waves and El Ninos, nah. and I've been going on about this for a couple of days. But uh, you know, it there's no surprise that it all ties in. Um, this yep. reeks. I mean, it's just a hot day in Mount Isa today. Let's be honest; like it's a, a yeah. late September day in Mount Isa, where where it's been a lot of moisture and, and rain. Like, I mean, let's not get too over the top with it. But if you listen to the Bureau of Meteorology, mate, it's it's Armageddon. I, I know, and uh, I mean, probably you said it before. The pertinent observation to make is that the kids, the kids get wound up about this, and um, and you know, a lot of these kids are becoming adult voting adults now that um, vote with their emotions and their feelings, and yeah. and uh, that's a really, really serious problem. And um, there's not much facts behind it. I think I was, you know, I was arguing with someone in the parliamentary committee. Because uh, they came, they were they were saying, and you know, we need this. It was a, the Greens put a bill in Parliament called the Climate Change Action Emergency, and one of the ladies who was saying, um, who was you know pushing it, was saying, "You got to do it because of all the bushfires. You you know about this because of the bushfires." And I said, "Well, hang on." I said, "Look, you're talking to a skeptic here," and I said, "But oh, that's okay. I'm I'm trying to be objective and meet you halfway." But you're saying bushfires. I said, "There's." There's 20 variables that could contribute to a bushfire. Where it might have been a big season last year, but usually it's usually it's lack of maintenance on national parks. Yeah, that's the big issue. And you're or rail, corridor, or rail corridors or side of the roads where you know they could ignite or forestry. cigarettes. Or, cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. It's completely right. Yet, yet the and she, she, you're, and they're scaring. They're saying we're going to shut down coal-fired power. And, you know, and and you know the the basis for all this, Ben, is that um, it's that poor people are going to be paying for rich people's guilt. You know, that, this is exactly right. 
this is exactly where we're going, Rob. And this is what I want to talk to you about today and the, and the, the major basis of the back. It all intertwines. And the thing about it is that there is no way at this moment that they are going to build a new coal, any new coal stations when the nation is committed to net zero. That's just a fact. Like, you know, like that, when, why they're committed to this um, net zero, w- w- we've got Buckley's chance. And what they're going to do is they're looking at solar and renewables and all these other ways to try and continue getting our energy for the people because they don't want to have to pay. And they make feel, well, all the people living around the harbour in Sydney or, you know, at Hamilton, and I'm not disrespecting people in Brisbane and Clayfield or in Melbourne in the, in the affluent areas, they feel good about themselves because they've got their Tesla and, you know, they're feeling wonderful. But the people in the outreach who, who don't have that kind of money, they are none the wiser. They just want to be able to turn on a light and the power go on. They don't care. Yep. They don't care. Yet, if we don't build more coal, coal stations, okay, so if coal's not the answer, which I don't understand why, then we've got to be committed to nuclear. And why, why wouldn't we? We've got all the resource there for, for that. But they're not going to do that either. No, mate, and there's, there's no other logical conclusion. You've you've got to, um, and I mean, it, it, it's it's so obvious that they're just everything's ideologically driven. And this is there's no rationale behind this. It's just um, you know political activism that drives the policy because you must you cannot not have that debate. You must be um, looking at nuclear in the mix. I mean, why are they so negative about nuclear? Can I ask you this? When we have all the resources there, and yeah, well, we we understand what a nuclear power station would do and how it would, why the push not to have it? Why are they so hell bent on not having it? It like China, India. What's the problem with that? Like well, you know, like they look at them and they go, oh well, hang on. Why wouldn't they safeguard themselves with something like this? Well, I, I've pursued Labor government and Parliament here in Queensland on that very question, and uh, the response I got back from the Premier in question time was just, "Well, who wants them in their backyard?" And I said, "Well, I don't mind it," <laughs> and yeah. that was the end. Like that was the only response they gave. We, and and then they'll say, "Oh, at the cost of it," and the cost is a silly argument to have because if you did go down the path of having a nuclear industry, it's it is cheaper than the others, but even if you you wanted to sit and argue it for hours, the cost of anything in it you know you wouldn't get anything up running for about five years on the um you know on a larger scale, and who knows what the hell's going to be but especially the last few years of turmoil, um iron ore could you know fuel costs or um any cost could go through the roof, so it's just ridiculous saying. But even if the cost was an issue, that's not a reason to have it banned. Or keep it banned just because you think it might be too expensive. So let's talk about the ban. And um, but it just just shows you that it's ideological driven. And I mean, people people are silly enough to still even bring up uh, Chernobyl and Fukushima, which um, you know on a on a risk matrix is just it's hardly worth talking about because um, there's you know hundreds of these things are all around the world um, pumping energy. All of Europe is connected to a grid that uses uh, nuclear and they're building more in a lot of the countries and um, 
you know, there's the the level of um, you know, the, catastrophic outcomes that they've had from it, all the millions of hours of energy it's used, it's, it's um, you know, it's not even worth talking about. You know, interestingly, in the United States, where um, it, it's one of the only issues that the Democrats and Republicans can join us is that they both agree they need nuclear. And apparently, in, internally with the Greens now, a lot of the, you know, Greenies now, are, um, there's a, a lot of turmoil because the, the half that believe the planet's going to explode they're all saying, well, we might as well get into nuclear because, um, you know, it's zero emissions. So um, there's, they're running out of argument against it. And the cost one is just silly because that's, the cost is no reason to ban anything. And, and, I mean, anyone that's looked into stuff with the renewables, the, the power and the, and the, um, the, sorry, the solar and the wind energy and everything they're putting, the, the cost associated with that is just nothing comes even close to that. And by the time they build all the transmission lines and batteries. So, um yeah, mate. I, I don't. There's no. To, to me, there's no rational reason not to have it. That's why we're, you know, we're having a big forum in um, Mount Isa to, to um, in October to just flesh out the issues and say, well, why can't we? Yeah, and this is what you need. Um, look, there is a lot to like about. There's a lot to like about the the bush. We, I want to talk to you a bit more about it. We're going to take a break. Rob Cutter joining us this morning. Um, the, the nuclear power and renewable energy is a huge one. We're going to take a break. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Thursday morning, the 21st of September on Rural Queensland Today. Rob Cutter, our guest this morning. Rob, can I just talk to you about the livestock industry at the moment? Now, in parts of northern Australia, yes, they've had a, 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 a very good season and, and it's holding on. But in southern Queensland and the Maranoa and the, and the central west, it is very, very dry, extremely dry. And we've seen prices come back uh, almost, I mean, you know, there were steers sold at 7 and $8 at the start of the year that are now being sold for a dollar dollar eighty, dollar ninety. I mean catastrophic reductions. Um, nothing is coming back. We're hearing heat waves and dry times and be ready for fires, but we're not hearing any support whatsoever for the people who provide the food for the nation. Now, we have seen a long history of this government dropping the ball and then chasing their tail once it becomes a big issue. And I'm talking about the health industry here and um, I'm talking about roads, I'm talking about schools, I'm talking about internet, stock routes, gravel pits, you name it, it's happening. Yet this could be our biggest natural in everything that's going on at the moment. And that's the concern for me, mate. Yeah, well, um, you remember that eight years of drought and there were some average prices in amongst that. Oh, well, some, some of the cattle prices at the moment, some of the cattle prices at the moment, and I'm going to talk with Anthony Highland very shortly. But, mate, they sold cows yesterday, store cows for 40 cents in Dolby um, a kilo. There, there are prices for heifers at the moment that I sold out of Springshore in 1999. Like, that's where we're at. And, I mean, we're now in 2023. Now, I can tell you what, prices aren't the same. Cost of living prices aren't the same as what they were in 1999. They're far from it. Yet, no one, and I understand we had two good years, I get it. We had two two really good years. But two years don't, you know, all those profits are going and being eaten up right at this moment. 
Yeah, well, the tricky, you know, the tricky thing, and, and why you're right here, Dobbo, why we do need to um, act when these things happen is that, um, you know, if you're in a coal mining town of coal or a coal mining region in central Queensland and the coal price is down, and the mines, you know, there's mines and winding down or, um, or you know, shutting up shop for a while. That that has huge impacts on, um, well, those regional towns, but also the, the economy. Uh, um, it's an economic driver, agriculture, no question. And, um, um, you know, I like to say that in COVID, though, the government could afford to shut down and hospitality and and tourism, which you know, whack the really whack the economy. They couldn't afford to shut down agriculture and mining. They um they're just too important to the country. And um yeah, these things don't just happen. Like they they need um they need intervention uh, to to keep ticking over. And um, the the when you live in the outback areas like I do, you can. Bloody hell, you can feel it when, um, if, you know, if the, I was talking to one producer there years ago and he said, Dad always said, you know, now you're going to have some bad years, just put a staple through the checkbook. Yeah. And if they end up putting staples through the checkbook, like, crikey, that, you know, the tie, the local fencing contractors and the yard builders and the tie shops in town, yeah. everyone feels it for the next year or two. Trucking and, companies, and, you know, fuel companies, everybody feels it at the moment. Every single yeah. body feels it at the moment. And, and it's not like Brisbane or somewhere where it's a big market and, you know, you can start trying to pitch into other markets. Like well, that people, was your own people market. have other industry where there's money. There's yeah. no if, if, if we're on our knees as producers here, it, no one else has got money. There's no no, no money. I mean, every community, every, everybody. And this is where – and this is, this is the severity of where we're at. And I don't want to be a scaremonger at the moment, but it is on a knife's edge. And I haven't heard or seen one ounce, not one ounce of a mention by the Premier, by her party. But you know what I have heard? I've heard about these bloody fires and this catastrophic heat, and the push for renewables. Yeah. I mean, this is, to me, the biggest threat. We, as the food bowl of Queensland, and where all the money is generated, need some help. And we need some recognition and we need some backing because we can't make it rain. But I tell you what, these prices at the moment, they are catastrophic. Mm. Well, mate, I, you know, I've had um, a growing number of people starting to reach out to me now and saying, hey, look, you know, just let you know, it's it's, it's got, get starting to get very bad, you know. Price of diesel's where it is and, and um, you can tolerate a bit, but it's not going to take long for people to come unstuck. So, I've, you know... I've probably been slow off the mark myself too, Dobbo, but I'm, I'm listening to you here and, um, you know, and uh, certainly I understand how deep it can impact when the industry grinds to, uh, you know, uh, well, that's let's not say at. grinds yeah. to a halt, but um, slows up and um, is constrained like that with prices. It, it, it reverberates right throughout the economy in these region areas. So, um and yeah, it's a lot easier to get in front of it because, um, crikey, the government's very slow to respond on some of this stuff, and um, yeah, and it might need some real, um, some real grunt. Oh, it's a, it, it it needs something, and I mean, it's sooner rather than later. Um, the there's no two ways about it. There there is something happening within the Labor government at the moment, and it's concerning because why the in-house fighting? They take the they they drop the ball. Um, 
But the Premier's backflipped on three or four things in the last week that she was hell-bent on off the back of polling. I mean, reactionary politics is never, ever one that, 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 that works. It's got to come to an end. Surely, you know, the, the, there is people within that party now that understand just the severity of what she is doing and, and how she is absolutely bringing this state to its knees. Yeah, well, you know, I I don't disagree with that at all, but um, I I don't think they could do too much a worse a job. Um, no, and notwithstanding the odd, you know, the odd announcement, you think, well, that's good, but um, but uh, you know, on the broad scale of things, yeah, just it, it's hard to imagine doing much worse a job. And um, when you know, from the KAP's perspective, when you're trying to get dams built and um, and industry going. My goodness me! Like it's someone they're your, they're your biggest enemy. They're not like some an enabler or someone helping you. They're, they're your biggest enemy. It's the government. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I couldn't give them a worse scorecard on so many fronts. And um, I guess the only reason I'm holding back a little bit is I'd say I oh, would we'll give you copper string. But I mean, to me, copper string is not that's not something that, a gift or anything. That's just something they should do as a normal government because like to have. The wealth, one of the wealthiest mineral provinces in the world, not in Australia, in the world, not connected to national electricity grid is just silly. Like at some point in history, you need to connect it so that, you know, that's what they say, you look after the power, the water and the um, and the transport, you know, for industry, they're the three cornerstones of how you enable it and one of the biggest industries um, in Queensland's history and they've never connected it up to the grid. So, you know, cover string is just something they should have done. That's not something you scott about. No, you're but, right. Um, but outside of that, they're just horrible. Um, and the only, the only thing for me is, Dobbo, is like, if you get rid of the Premier, who else you got? <laughs> you know, no. It's, it's not, I'm not, I don't expect it gets any better with um, getting to the Premier either. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, but, you, you know, the, you know, the, the stable nature of it, um, as reported, it, it doesn't work well for anyone either. So, it, and it does give it even works for them in a way that they people defocus for a while on um, how bad the, the state's been run. And um, uh, you know, we're not looking at all the problems when when uh, we're talking about these sort of things. So, yeah, it's well, yeah, it's just a very disappointing and. Um, Part of politics I hate thinking about because um, when you're trying to fix problems, you just hate being distracted with that and that sort of stuff all the time. No, you're 100% right. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. You're doing a phenomenal job and thank you for representing the people of the bush. We really appreciate your time this morning. No, thanks for giving us the voice, Dolan. Appreciate it. Thank you. Robbie Catter, we'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today. Ben Hunt, not far away. We're going to look at the markets next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Thursday morning, the 21st of September. Let's go to the markets and Dolby yesterday, 3,824 head yarded um, and Anthony Highland joins us this morning from Grant Daniel Long. Good morning, Anthony. Um, look, the, the market remained virtually unchanged um, on the week, week previous it certainly by no means is positive at the moment um, and I don't want to be the doom and gloom. Um, all buyers present, but the job, you know, in places fell another 20 cents. Yeah, morning, Ben. Yeah, and it, it did. Um, all, all the processes were there. Um, you know, the feeder operators were there. Um, you know, the, 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 the fat job didn't get any worse than last week, but 
the cattle, neither did the cattle. They probably thought some of the cows there might have made it a little bit more this week on presentation and, and some bullocks, but that's just not going to be the case, evidently. And, and um, you know, they're, they're all there in front of the cattle. They bought what they wanted to buy. Um, uh, they, they evidently are, ha, have got uh, plenty of, plenty of uh, numbers or where it's coming from um, for the next couple of weeks or, or a month is the news. So, and on the fat cattle, that's that's going to be basically the rate is what you're seeing now till the end of the year is is what I imagine. And um, you know, I mean, if you've got them, you know, where it's at, you've probably got to go with a few fats and, and move on because they're not going to be fat next year if it doesn't rain. Well, a handful of bullocks made two forty six to average two twenty six cents. But this is the concerning thing, and this is how Dolby read it through MLA. Trevor Hess reporting this. Plain condition medium weight cows made to a dollar ten to average eighty nine cents with a few light weights making forty to fifty cents a kilo. Now that's a proper store cow, like you know, like a proper proper store cow. But heavyweight score three cows made to one hundred eighty one cents a kilo to average seventy three. Good weight heavy good heavyweight cows made to a dollar ninety five to average one eighty nine. Heavyweight bulls to two twenty eight. I mean, seriously. Um, that, that, that's ghastly. That's ghastly. I mean, and that's the, that's where it's at at the moment. The, 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 there's blood in the water, and the obviously the processors can see it, and there's nowhere no, to go no, for these been, cows. There's been, there's been a bit of blood in the water for about four weeks on that. There's, there's a bit of massacration going on here. And as I say, that the, the job's where it's at. Uh, if, 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 um, if there's vendors out there or, or sellers out there that are, you know, that, if they haven't seen a market report, if they haven't heard where the market is, well, they better pick up the paper or, or get onto their agent and find out where it where it's at. There's, you know, there's um, people wondering if buyers are actually turning up at a sale yard. Well, yes, they are, and they're doing their job, and they've got a job to do the same as everyone else. But evidently, yeah, you know, they've they've got plenty going on, and and that's where the market's at. Yeah, I agree. Now, listen, store heifers and steers are very very cheap at the moment, but there's opportunity there as well. Yesterday, lightweight yielding steers returning to the paddock made to two eighty to average two forty sticks. Yielding steers to feed for the domestic market two sixty two to sixty three, and um, the heavyweight yielding steers to feed topped at two ninety um, to average two sixty nine. But the heifer job yielding heifers to restock has averaged a dollar forty, made a dollar ninety eight to a dollar ninety eight. Like, I mean, that's a long way back, and and they just keep on free falling at the moment. It's massive, Ben, and it, it, it really is. It, I mean, I, I know where this job got to, where we got to, and years on years previous to this market on an average, and it, it's a long way back to where we, oh, where mate, we well, are. So, some of these mate, numbers, so some of these numbers, Anthony, and I don't want to be, 1999, like the, the, yeah. there's 1999 so, well, they prices in for those heifers. They are now, and... What's what sort of an opportunity does it present to a buyer that might have some extra silage or some access to some hay or some cotton seed that can actually do a job? Well, I mean, there's cattle there that that are worth more than what we're selling them for, and there is a big opportunity if there's people out there that are sitting back thinking it's going to get me cheaper. Well, does it? Does it not? But we know one thing: rain will fix this market. But I've never seen a bigger opportunity from where we've been to where the cattle market is now for summer rain to happen and, and pick this job up. So, yeah, heifers are, are very cheap. We don't like selling them for this money. Vendors don't like selling them for this money. And, and I reckon the, the feedlotting job, they're buying them. But, 
you know, they're, they're probably not, they mightn't be too happy about it either. So, yeah. look, it, it, it's where it's at. It's, it's absolutely Ghastly. Uh, ugly again. And but, um, uh, you present an opportunity to someone w- w- that we know there's not much feed out there. So there's probably people there that have banked a bit of money over the last years and have a, have a bit of a ability to, to take some of these smaller cattle on with the feed process. Uh, watch it rain, they'll, they'll, you know, it'll, it'll get going. It'll take off. I've never, you know, we've seen, we've seen drops before, but on a season, this is a drop on a season. And, um, anyway, they are cheap. Get into them. Yeah, I agree. Um, mate, either way, it was tough. Um, and we'll get to the other market surely. Now the lamb job, how is it in the paddock at the moment? And also you've got a bull sale coming up as well. Yeah, we do, Ben. Look, the, the lamb job's probably, yeah, it, it's gotten real, real prickly. Uh, well, it's not prickly, it's freaking disastrous at the moment, actually. Um, yeah, look, we were still sitting at, uh, you know, $5, uh, $5 a kilo for prime lamb. We've been back to sort of, you know, fours. Well, now we're sort of back to $3. Um, if your lambs aren't good enough, you're looking at about a dollar or, or 50 cents if they come right under the grid. So, um, people with, with, with sheep and lambs, you know, everyone's trying to get them in and get them gone. But if they're not good enough, they're not worth anything. So, uh, you know, it's another whole avenue in that in that job. There's, there's uh, plenty of small stuff going out for, you know, $5 to, to $25. Um, still some good prime lambs uh, hanging up at, you know, 65 and 70 bucks. But it's a, it's a big culture shock again. Um, but, if your if your stock aren't right, you you you're better off leaving it at home and trying to improve them to to get them to a condition to sell them because there's nothing worse than getting a bill at the end of the week and that's what's happening at the moment. No, you're certainly right. You're certainly right. Appreciate your time this morning. Now, this bull sale. When's it next week? Yeah, next Thursday, Ben. Something. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's a multi vendor sale, uh, multi breeds at Belon Bull Sale. We'll have 72 bulls there. Uh, Black Sims. Uh, uh, traditional cemetery sanders, uh, few speckle parks. It'll be a good sale. We, we're uh, we're very realistic in this market. So all buyers out there that need a bull, want a bull, get online and have a look at it. It's on our website. But we're going to start our bulls at four thousand dollars. So we're going to miss out this year. Yeah. We are kicking them off at four thousand. So the upstart for this year's bull sale is four thousand um, dollars. And yeah, look, I mean, this is. This is something that everybody needs to obviously look at. And obviously, what times it start, mate? 11 a.m. at Nindy Gully at Mile Plains. Yep. It is online as well. But uh, look, Barrett, you know, we're, we're commercial people. The, the commercial job's where it's at. The, the, we want to sell some bulls and, and we want people to buy them. So $4,000. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. You have a good week and there we go. Good on you, Anthony Highland, uh, joining us this morning, and we appreciate his time as well. Uh, can we just look at Charters Towers quickly? 2,305 head yarded. There's no black hole sale today. And uh, this uh, Mick Kingham uh, reported um, the demand for light steers um, was there, but the heavy job was very, very tough. Numbers lifted by more than 800 head. Uh, quality was mixed. Uh, there was some good lines of bullocks and cows um, and northern bulls um, there. Most regular processes were in attendance. Demand was for quality lines was fair, with secondary lines difficult to sell. 
Cattle were drawn from Mount Isa to the east uh, and all the way to the east. Uh, yearling steers and heifers uh, with quality were mostly firm. Secondary lines sold to lower according values. Uh, values for all processor categories eased in line with the recent grid adjustments and other selling centres. Heavy cows eased nine cents. Bullocks averaged thirty cents lower, and heavy bulls ten to fifteen lower. This is in charters yesterday. Charters towers yesterday. Yearling steers and heifers with quality were mostly firm. Secondary lines sold to lower, and uh, there was active restockers and demand for the light steers. They got to two forty eight to average two eleven. Suitable wiener heifers, 200 kilos to the paddock, made 188 to average 149. Yearling steers, over two, uh, above 280 to restockers, 230 to average 211. So, yeah, that gives you an idea and a sample. And obviously that cow job, very similar to Dolby as well. Look, it's what I talked about with Robbie Catter, and I mean this. There is a lot, a lot to answer for with some of these things. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin, and it is the 21st of September. Ben Hunt is Central Queensland. We all know him. He played for Blackwater, come from from Dingo, and is very well known um, in and around Central Queensland, but also in Australian rugby league circles. He's a Queensland Origin player, he's a former Brisbane Bronco, and now a St George Illawarra Dragon. Tomorrow he flies out for another destination, that's PNG this time, as part of what is uh, a Prime Minister's 13 going on to take on the PNG side. There's been so much talk about Ben Hunt and his desire to leave St George and come home, and it's been well documented uh, throughout a long period of time, exactly what is going on. But for me, um, I've always... um, found him just an outstanding young man. Honourable, committed, and just loves the game of rugby league. But more importantly, just loves his family as well. And for all the people that say that he's done the wrong thing, the honesty that he's shown in wanting to come home, I think speaks volumes. He's been clear the whole time, the whole way through. He's never shied away from it, never once. And for me... It speaks volumes. I caught up with him after the QRL made a huge announcement about Westpac being the jersey sponsor for the men's side and also uh, potentially um, they're, they're going to look after, Westpac are going to look after uh, the sleeve sponsor for the women's origin side and also the next generation of young girls playing rugby league. Here is my chat with Ben Hunt uh, and it is all encompassing about where he stands at the moment. Ben Hunt on what has gone on in his year and what he believes will happen over the next 12 months. Ben Hunt, obviously, you know, lots going on in your world. How are you, firstly? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Actually, I, I really am good. at had a couple of weeks off and uh, got away from footy. It seems like there's a lot going on in the media, but to be honest, I've yeah, just got away from it all. Mate, I know you well um, and, you know, you're a proud Queenslander and you made it really clear for Bridge, your wife and your two boys that you'd love to come home and you were honest enough mid-year and obviously St George, that they said no. Where are we at? In 2024, we'd be wearing the red V. 
Yeah, mate, I'll be a dragon in 2024. Um, it's not ideal, though, is it? Like, no, I mean, as much as you're going to play there, it, no. it's not your first choice. Yeah, honestly, it's not. We'd prefer to, to come back home, but um, yeah, that's where we're at. And you know, I've had some good conversations with Flano, and you know, he's coming in as a coach that wants to win footy, and, and he wants me there to be part of that. And um, you know, I I understand that he, he wants to win some games. So, mate, what were the conversations like? Now, you know, now that he's coming in and that this is changing, what was it like to have these conversations? And were you honest with him about that? Yeah, we had some good, honest conversations, mate. And I'll, you know, I won't go into a lot of them, but um, he was, his stance was, mate, I'm coming as a coach that just wants to win games and um, I believe I need you here. I want you to be my captain to, to lead it and I'm not going to let you go. So as a coach, I totally understand that. You know, like, why would you want to let players go that you, know, you think can help your side? So, um, you know, I understand where he's coming from. You know, I have a good relationship with Flano and um, I get it. It's... That's the way it is. So you will be captain next year. There was some talk in the Sydney media um, that potentially that you, the captaincy might be taken off you um, and that you'd be playing. Has that discussion happened with you at all? No, there hasn't been any discussions about it at all, to be honest. I don't. I assume the media just you know, probably think I don't deserve it at the moment or something like that, but that's you know, for them to say. But, you know, yeah, there hasn't been any discussions you know, internally. Crystal ball me. Um, the Dragons, you know, an off-season can go for a long time. They make the decision that... You know, even though Ben Hunt's committed to playing here, he doesn't truly want to be at the Red V next year. You've been very honest. It's not anything personal. They do grant you that release. You know, is the Titans still in the headlights if that was an option? Oh, mate, you know, I've kind of not thought about it for the last couple of weeks, but, um, yeah, any team up here is definitely an option. Um, you know, whether they can you fit you in as well is another another thing. You know, it's they've thrown a bit of money around lately, the yeah. Titans, so whether that can even happen, so... Um, yeah, at this stage, mate, I'm a dragon and you know, going into preseason, that's all I'm going to be thinking about. Can I ask you about the inquiry going into the Broncos, um, potentially, um, and that mid-season transfer? Have the Broncos got anything to be worried about? No, not at all, mate. I, no, not that I know of. Um, you know, they never contacted me, and as far as I know, like I've said, they never contacted my managing company. So, um, yeah, I don't think they've got anything to worry about. How difficult has the last six months been for you? I mean, honesty is a, a big thing. You were straight up and honest. Uh, you played in a side that just didn't have success. You love rugby league and you're a proud Queenslander. Can you ask, honestly, how, how difficult has it been? Uh, probably since Origin finished, it's gotten you know pretty solid. Those last couple of months, the back end of the season, where you know, we were playing hard, we were trying really hard, and we, we just couldn't win games. And Yeah, it started to you know, take a toll on you. It wears you down, but... Um, did you, you know, contemplate retiring? Uh, I wouldn't say contemplate it, but it definitely pops into your head. Um, you know, it's an option. I'm obviously getting to the back end of my career, so it's yeah. not far away. But, you know, once you retire, you're done. You know, it's it's all over. And, you know, I'm not ready to be done yet. I still feel like I've got some good footy in me. So, you know, I don't think that's an option. If you're at the Dragons next year, which you say you're going to be, can you see success? And can Dragons fans see with Shane coming in that he's going to change the way that it's been over the last few years? Uh, I definitely think he's going to change a lot of things for sure. Um, you know, he's already said he's going to change a lot of things and, um, you know, I, yeah, I hope there's some success. Um, you know, I think there has got to be a lot of change before there is and, um, you know, there's... Going to be some pain on the way. There's definitely going to be some pain still for sure, mate. It's... You know, some, there's going to be some hard lessons and, you know, I think Flano's ready to dish out some hard lessons and some truths to some guys and, um, yeah, there's definitely got to be some changes but, you know, I'm definitely hopeful that there is, yeah, yeah some good times to come. Thanks for your honesty, mate. Cheers, mate.
pretty honest and pretty candid, and I thank him so much for that. And, uh, look, you can only take people on face value and what he believes is the way forward. He was very, very honest in, and very giving of time around that issue. So I appreciate everything that he's done. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Thursday morning, the 21st of September. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Uh, just some um, updates on some bull sales um, over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, 188 bulls offered, 188.86 sold, 99% clearance at the Yarrawonga bull sale. And they had an average price of 12,339, um, which was just awesome um, for them. Well done. Um, in the breakdown, 169 classified Santa Catrudis bulls sold for an average of 12,965. Seven commercial bulls, average 6,000. Ten Santa Catrudis cross commercial bulls saw an average of $9,000. Um, and well done to the Bassingweight family there. And obviously a, a, a great result. So 186 bulls. It was a cracking result on Wednesday. Um a, with a six-figure sum, $130,000 bull, um, and that bull was sold as well. Um, and, you know, obviously the first 20 bulls averaging 36100 So a good result there. And well done to Andrew and Fiona Bassingweights um, from Yarrawonga. Well done to them. Um, their bull, Lot 4, um, sold to David and Suzanne Bassingweight of Waco, Santa Catrudis, Mungalala. So... Um, well done, um, and well done on that result there. A great result. Now, uh, Clonara, they had three really good bulls sell. Um, and look, it, it is tough going at the moment, but they are a quality, quality stud. Um, two drought master bulls, one red composite, reached 16,000. Um, and well done. I mean, Glenland's Darren Childs, he's been very, very committed to buying Clonara's bulls, and they had a a very good result in the sense that he bought some quality bulls as well. Um, and so obviously with a lot going on at the moment, um, not everybody um, is rolling along as well. Just um, obviously there's more sales coming up. And if you would like to talk about what is happening in your neck of the woods around all these sales and, and everything that's going on, we're more than happy um, to give you, and, and, and I mean this, a real push and, and hit over these kind of things. There, there is a lot going on in the world at the moment, especially here in rural and regional Queensland. And it, it would be amiss of us if we didn't have a look at all the markets and try and give you an update every single day with the bull sales that are taking place. Uh, it, look, it, it's not easy by any, by any terms, and we understand um, not everybody wants their sale results released. I think we all understand just the way the season is and just the way and how difficult this is at the moment for everybody, whether or not you're trying to sell commercial livestock or whether or not you're trying to sell uh, seed stock. There is plenty going on. Um, lots lots also when you look at, um, you know, the five-star Centipole sale, and that was another, that was another one that obviously um, we know that, that with the results that they had, Five-star centre poles, um, obviously they have always and been very committed to selling their cattle. Um, Jeff and Alison Maynard, um, 
produced um, a solid a solid sale. And in the breakdown, offered 60 Senate pole bulls, topped the 30 twice to average 11,433. 10 Senegas bulls averaged um, and topped at 12,000 to average 8,900. So a good result there for five-star center poles and Jeff Maynard. Um, I talked about green-ups the other day. Um, they've, they've had a very good result. And we also look at, you know, lots of bulls going on um, as well. Can I just talk about the Nobbs family, their bull sale last week? Um, and they had a, a really good 97 bulls were offered. 82 sold for a clearance of 84% to average 7,476, 613,000 gross. So that sale, uh, down a fraction, but gee whiz, considering what's going on at the moment, that's a really good result uh, for the knob sale. So much more to get through. We'll continue giving you every updated result we possibly can. Um, And tomorrow, obviously, we'll look at prelims and also we'll look at the Lions as well as the Wallabies when they're to bid to try and uh, steer the wrongs and try and get back on track before they take on Wales on Sunday night. This is Rural Queensland Today. We'll take a break, come back with more. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I certainly have. We're back again, same time, same place, tomorrow morning uh, from 9am on Rural Queensland Today. Go to Spotify if you've missed any of our shows. Uh, I ask you to do that. Like our Facebook page. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the heathers rolling in the paddock. I know it's dry at the moment. We just pray for rain for everyone, and we just pray that we can get out of this rut in this industry at the moment. So much so much support needed for agriculture at this moment, and the important part of it is that we can make aware to the politicians just the need for that. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Bill McDonald joins you next. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today.